Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. I want you to uh, get your Bibles out, open them up to the book of Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2. Guys, it was 1972. I was in Hobbs, New Mexico with my dad and my mom and my three older brothers and my younger baby sister and I emphasize the baby on that because I still think it's that way today. But the seven of us, we all live together in this cool little house that you see here. I, I, you know, don't you absolutely love uh, Google Street View? But that house on the left was a little house where we lived. I can see they added onto it in the back. Uh, but it, it used to be a blue house. The brick facade wasn't there. And, uh, and, and this is at 607 East Snyder in Hobbs, New Mexico. See, my dad pastored the church that met in the building next door. And, we, we, and I tell you, I knew every corner of that building. I, I mean, I, I lived next door. Where do you play? You play in the church. That was the way it was. But my dad had an office in the very back of that building. We would go through. I, would act, I remember going out of the back of the house. And I would walk around through the little door you see right back there in the back of that church building. And... and uh, and I would go back in there, and my dad's office was right around the corner. And, and I loved going to dad's office. Um, and, 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 and what my dad would do in his office is he would record this 30-minute radio program, which aired on Sunday mornings and then would be replayed over through, uh, throughout the week. And, and dad would record his radio show from his office using this big reel-to-reel tape recorder. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It was the latest and coolest technology. I thought it was quite amazing. He, I wasn't allowed to touch it, but I always thought that was the coolest machine ever. And, and dad would... Uh, he would give a welcome, and then he would always play a song on his turntable, which I called the record player. Some of you guys know what record players are? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it if you have no idea what it is. I think you do, it's a, but uh, you, most of you guys know what it's like. But that's what we had back then, and, and Dad had this... this uh, this carefully manuscripted uh, uh, message for his radio program, and he would then read it with passion and vigor in his office slash recording studio. And, and you see, I loved hanging out with my dad. I did. And, and, and I remember it was mid-December of 1972, and my dad said, uh, told the family, hey, I need to go next door, and I'm going to record my Christmas radio program. It was one night, and, and, uh, and, and he liked doing it then because he knew that nobody would be around the church, and he would lock the doors because in those days, the church building would be open, and people would come in and knock on the pastor's door, and that would mess up the radio program. So he would do it at night, lock up the building. But that night, I said, Dad, I really, really, really want to go. I don't have to be at school the next day. And, and, so, and, and the thing is, I had never been allowed to go before. But dad let me go this one time, and I was so excited. And, and dad, dad explained to me that I was not allowed to make the slightest sound because it would come out on the tape, which would come out on the radio program, and people all over the world could hear me making noise, and I didn't want that to happen. And it's kind of funny because I like kind of wanted to make a sound because I wanted to be on the radio too. But I remember thinking this through. But, but I, I recall Dad opening up this radio program and pulling out our Bing Crosby record. And, 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 and he started it off with Hark the Herald Angels Sing, sang by 
being. And I, I just remember it so vividly. In fact, I, I was even holding the sleeve for the, the, uh, the record as my dad was playing it. I was looking at the pictures and just, and just, just basking in the beauty of this, thinking this is going to go out to here and thousands of people are going to hear it. After the song, uh, Dad then came back in and he began reading his prepared script. And, and I remember Dad messing up a few times. He would stumble on a few words. And, and my dad had this little uh, word he would say. I, I, I guess he would call it a Christian expletive. I don't know, but he would say fooey. I, I don't know if that's bad or anything, but he would just... <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I guess when you're a pastor, you're kind of limited on your words. And so, so he, he would mess up and he'd go, oh, fooey. And, and, and he would... He would st- Pause the tape and rewind it. You know, hear it go his words backwards. You know, and and he would rewind it and then he would <clears throat> compose himself. He'd always clear his throat and then begin reading it again. One, I remember during his broadcast or actually during the recording, I coughed. He didn't even look at me. He just stopped it, rewinded it. <coughs> you could hear it and recorded over my interruption. And I'll tell you that day in my dad's office is actually one of my most vivid childhood memories. It comes back to me over and over again, especially at Christmas. After the recording session, I, uh, which lasted about two hours, I had to be in there totally silent, silent except for the one cough for two hours. I, I asked dad, dad, why do you do the radio program? And dad, dad said, well, there are a lot of people who don't go to church. And he said, if just one person hears this Christmas carol, about the angels singing, or hear me talking about Jesus and what he means about Christmas, and if they gave their life to him, it would all be worth it. I, I made sure that I listened to his radio program on replay the next week. I couldn't listen to it on Sunday because, hey, I was in church. And I knew exactly where every correction was, and, and, and I loved how it just flowed so smoothly in the place where my cough was, it was gone. And as I was listening, I recall imagining the one person hearing the song about the angels, listening to my dad talk about how Christmas was not about Santa Claus. I actually remember that part of his little message. And that that one person prayed with my dad at the very end of the radio program and gave his life to Jesus. And I was just, hearing that, I was the happiest kid in the world. I was so proud of my dad. And I felt like I was part of the accomplishment because I was there when it happened. Me and Bing Crosby. And ever since that winter day back in 1972, I fell in love. I really, that was kind of a turning point for me. I don't know why, but I, I, I fell in love with that first story of Christmas, hearing my dad repeat it over and over and over, trying to get that radio show just right. And it's the, radio, it's the story that's found in Luke chapter number 2. It starts in verse 4. I'd love it if you would follow along in your Bibles. Here's a story. It says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the flocks nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And I remember my dad saying those words. He said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened. The Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. It's a familiar story. It's, a, it's an amazing story. It's, it's well described through the song that we just heard Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I really enjoyed hearing and, and singing along with that carol just a few minutes ago because it does take me back to my dad's office back in 1972. It, 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 I know Jordan's not Bing, but it takes us back, takes me back there. It, 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 it brings back those childhood memories of, of the mystery and the suspense and the awe of Christmas. That song was originally published in 1739 by a guy by the name of Charles Wesley. He was a huge preacher back in his day. And, and what he did is he would write poetry and songs, and, and he would always try to tell the story of Jesus through that so that people could remember it easily. And I, I seriously doubt Charles Wesley would have any clue that the song he penned today is being played in shopping centers and churches and on radios 280 years later. But I love how the lyrics of that song are so powerful. And the truth is, a lot of times around Christmas, we hear the music, but we tend to just let it dissolve into white noise, forgetting how powerful the songs are, proclaiming the story of Jesus everywhere. There's no other time of the year that the gospel's proclaimed in more places consistently than Christmas through the Christmas carols. That's why when some people say, I'm sick of Christmas music, I'm like, well, you can be sick of it, but I sure do love the message that's going out. <laughs> this song, I, I love it because it starts with these words, Hark the Herald Angels Sing Glory to the Newborn King. And I, I have to say this because I do, I'm, I, I, I'm really into theology, I know what the Bible says, the angels really didn't sing. I, you know, Rebecca, my wife, she, she was just saying, I wish they would have sang because it would make it better. And so that's okay. If you want to pretend like they sang, that's fine. Actually, what happened is later on, a songwriter about oh, 18 years later took that song and rewrote the first line of it to Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which actually sounds a little bit better than the original version because it makes it a little more picturesque and memorable. But most people around the world think that the angels were singing because of this little song that was written. 280 years ago but that next line glory to the newborn king is is where the punch is because it reminds us this is that christmas is really about worship it, it's about worship of jesus the son of god and you might say okay that's easy that's normal pastor i get that but the, the, there's a deeper message there because worship to god means that christmas is not all about me it's not about your personal comfort and joy now, we tend to want to make it about that 
But when I make the holiday all about what I want, what I think, where I want to go, what I want to eat, what I want to get, then I've missed it entirely. Because the worship of Christ is never about me. It's about Jesus. So when Christmas Day arrives, seven days from today, here's my question. Will you make it about Jesus and not about yourself this year? Men, heads of households, I challenge you. I challenge you next Sunday. Whether you're, whether you're whoever is the head of your household, I challenge you. Set things up next Sunday morning to do the church where you are, streaming session, and, and set it up in your home and say, we're going to have church in here today. We're going to make it about Jesus I, I, you know, your family will love it. I, I'm excited about this, this production coming out because it's something we've been working on for four months. I believe it's going to impact a lot of lives. It's going to be very special and unique. In fact, today, you're going to be getting something on your way out. Every person will be getting a little gift from us today. And it's something that you, you need to have with you on Sunday morning. And, uh, and you have to have it with you in order to participate with the, uh, with the message that I'm going to be sharing. So Christmas is not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about the worship of Jesus. Another part of that song is the line that I love so much. It says, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I want you to pause for just a moment because regardless of what you think about Christmas music playing everywhere, that music is telling the story about how Jesus made everything right. It reminds us that Christmas is about reconciliation. It's this truth that God loves you and he's always loved you, but because of sin, there's this huge wall that gets placed between us and God. And the well is so massive, there's no way you can remove it on your own. But God still loves you even though you can't get to him because of the wall. But Jesus came and changed everything. You see, the great wall of sin is now demolished. And because of Jesus and because we have faith in him, because we believe in him, because we believe this story is true, that wall is now eliminated and we can come boldly to God. Because Jesus came into this world to give his life so we could be reconciled to God. And when we ask Jesus to simply forgive our sin, those sins are gone as if we have never sinned. And we have total access to God, my friend. And what an amazing result of what was initiated on Christmas Day, that very first Christmas Day in that little stable. See, see, that's actually what I dreamed about as that seven-year-old child listening to my dad's Christmas radio program in the house that week. I, because in my mind, I began picturing the person who was listening that my dad kind of vaguely described. And, and, and I, I remember the images of that person in my mind still to this day because he was a man who looks sad and lonely. He was a man who was in a dark house. And, and uh, in my mind, I saw him sitting by his radio and having a, a poorly decorated Christmas tree there in his house. And, and in my imagination, the man heard the song and he listened to the words and that my dad shared and that he gave his life to Jesus praying with my dad over the radio. And in my mind, the, the, the man began to smile and the wall was gone because he was in the family of God and, and then he came to church the next Sunday. That was my seven-year-old fantasy dream. But I'm telling you guys, it's not a fantasy. Those things happen all the time. Guys, that's what this is about. In fact, here's the truth. I still imagine those things every time I get ready to share God's word when I'm preparing a message. I imagine what God's going to do in people's lives before you even get here. That's actually my faith in action because I'm believing for things that I can't see that haven't even happened yet. How God's going to help people. I see, I imagine scenarios like that next Sunday. 
when hundreds of people tune into the streaming service online. And following in my own dad's footsteps, I'm simply doing it to rescue one more person from destruction. In fact, if our numbers end up like they did last year, we'll have many more people tuning into that service than attend any of our services on a Sunday. Another one of our, another stanza of this, uh, this song goes like this. It says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man, with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. A little wordy for me as a kid to understand what that meant. But, but when, I, when I begin to understand a little later on, you look at the words, it's describing a mystery that happened once, once, will never happen again, never happened before that, and because Christmas is all about God becoming a man. And guys, that's huge, that's huge. God became one of us. My, my wife, Rebecca, she loves nativity sets, and she created this one that sits in the entryway to our house. And, and uh, when I look at this, any of her nativity sets, it takes me back to when I was a kid also because I loved those as, as a kid, and, and, and she knows that. And that's one of the reasons she loves putting them up around the house. And, and, and when I was a kid, I would, I would look at all the characters in detail. I would spend a long time looking, but I, I would always just really focus on the baby. And I, I just always thought it was a little odd that the baby just looked so normal. <laughs> the baby just looked like every other little baby. And I would stare closely and I would imagine God in that fragile little tiny body. And it was difficult to understand. I mean, how, how, how can God so big and so awesome, the creator of us, actually become us? He becomes the creation why did this happen? What does it mean? Well, it just simply means that God lived in the flesh and God was a man just like us. And therefore, here's the message here. God gets it. He knows how you feel right now. And he understands. He understands your temptations. He understands your pain. He understands your humiliation. He knows about that frustration. He understands your anxiety. Jesus understands. He gets it. And he is not going to beat you down because you have flaws. He is simply going to say to you, have faith in me because I can break you out of that. See, God is not distant. He's not disappointed in you. But God is present and he is active and he cares. Jesus knows how you feel. He understands. Another line in that song is this, Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. And the, the writer uh, actually took this portion from the book of Malachi. Malachi was describing Jesus as a bright, warming sun that arises over a cold, dark, broken person. And that's one of my favorite images about God because this, this, this tells me this. Christmas is about hope. You don't have to remain sick. You don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to live on the edge of death the rest of your life. But because of Christmas, healing, light, and life is your reality. Not punishment, not damnation, not hell, not darkness. No, no. Healing and life is my reality because Jesus warms my life like a warm sun. Sin no longer has control over this guy which which makes me come to the final words in this song that i love so much it says mild he lays his glory by born that man no more should die born to raise the sons of earth born to give them us second birth jesus came to give us life and life to the full he came to give us a second chat jesus came to give us hope jesus was born to die and that's why really christmas is about jesus sacrifice 
I used to wonder, why do we celebrate communion at Christmas as a kid? Shouldn't we save that for Good Friday? Like, no, no. Actually, that is the whole story, the beginning to the end. That Jesus gave everything. He's the ultimate giver, and he did it because he loved us. And he came to earth knowing that he would die this horrible, wretched death, and he would take the punishment that was already destined for me and for you. And that's incredible love, guys. That, that is unbelievable sacrifice that Jesus took the punishment for Tim's sin already so that Tim could live forgiven, so that Tim can live healed, so that Tim can live free, so that Tim can live in eternity with him. What about you? The prophet Isaiah said this hundreds of years before Jesus was born. God spoke through him and breathed through him. He said these words, and I love it because he says it in past tense as if it's already happened. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment on the cross that brought us peace was put on Him. And by his wounds, we're healed. That's why we celebrate Christmas with communion. His body was crushed. His blood flowed. He took our punishment so we could be free because Christmas is all about Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.